No, I told her earlier, I said, this is one of the best teachings I've ever heard on prophetic and the, and the watchman. Uh, it's one of Jane's strengths. Some prophets, you know, they just, when they're finished teaching, it's like, I don't have the slightest idea what they were talking about. <laughs> and then there are others that have this gift to touch both that subjective, intuitive realm of of the prophetic, but also that left brain a didactic thing. Jane can do that so well. Great teaching. We were talking during the break about how the Lord is uh, taking us back to some of the principles and basics that we taught 20 and 30 years ago. And of course, it's different now. It comes out a little differently. We teach it a little differently because of we've grown and we we have certain parts of our gifting even that we weren't moving in 20, 30 years ago. So when I teach on prayer now, it comes with more of an apostolic, prophetic edge, and it's usually geared more toward the nation than it is to praying for the, an individual. But the principles are the same, you just apply them differently. And, and I'm actually going to do that this morning. I found it very interesting that, that I, I felt like she was teaching what, even though it, it was done with a lot of depth, it was still basics. It was going back to the basics. You know, what would you say to a person just moving into prophetic intercession or watchman prayer? Well, that's a teaching I would recommend to them. So I'm going to do the same thing this morning. I'm going to, and I, and I, I planned to do that from the beginning, and I found that interesting that the Lord was, is, is having me do the same thing. Of course, my wife's been telling me for quite some time that's what God's getting ready to do and what I need to do. And typically she hears before I do. And then I wait for a while and act like I hear it. <laughs> it's always fun to watch her reaction when I say, you know, I think the Lord's telling me, and then she looks at me like. And she's learned not to say, well, I told you that six months ago. That kind of messes up the whole dynamic of the conversation when she does that. So. Not that I have pride issues or anything like that. It's just that I want to hear first, that's all. So the, the Hebrew word, years ago when the Lord started teaching me on prayer, um, one of the things that, and this, you know, you know that I love to do word studies, but one of the things Holy Spirit did was, was encourage me to do a word study on the Hebrew word for prayer or intercession or different words. And it's inter it was interesting, at the, in that season of my life, what I felt like he said to me to do was, I w this is funny to me, because he said, I want you to act like you've never heard of it. I want you to act like you don't know anything about it. <laughs> and I realized that's because I didn't. <laughs> he just didn't say, you don't know anything about it. <laughs> but I, he was nice, you know, he was Tom, 
Jane would have said, you don't know anything about it. <laughs> but I didn't. I was raised in church all my life. And I didn't know enough about prayer to, you know, basically just when you're in trouble, you cry out to God, help, or you pray over your food, you know, or, or you join somebody else that's praying and you honor and when you're done when they're finished you just sort of you know nod in agreement and so I thought how do you how are you in church for 30 years and you don't really know anything about this so I went back to base really the beginning and I and I said Lord teach me this subject and heard a man named Jack Hayford teach on prayer and he used the word paga for intercession and told a story or two and it just piqued my curiosity so much and I thought I have to know more about this so that's when I started doing word studies and I'm going to give you five definitions of that word today paga the word for intercession now you've seen these if you've read my book intercessory prayer and if you haven't read my book intercessory prayer that shows your level of discernment right there <laughs> You're very <laughs> so I was in Guatemala, and this is number one. I was in Guatemala. I've been there many times. And I went to the hospital to pray for a lady that was, uh, she had tuberculosis. And I was, Cece and I were there together. We were with an older couple, and we were there ministering for a month. And uh, so this couple was just taking us around with them. They were basically asked to go pray for this lady. And so we were with them. She was in a ward uh, attached to the hospital for poor people that couldn't pay. So <clears throat> they were just, it was like an army ward barracks. There were a bed, just bed. There were no partitions, just every three feet or so a bed. And there's probably 30 ladies in this room. And uh, the, parent, the family would bring them food, and the doctors would walk over from the hospital and treat them and go back. So there was no equipment in there, just beds. And so this lady was a believer, and she had tuberculosis, and the family said, would you go pray for her? And we said, sure. So we were there, and we visited with her a little bit. We had an interpreter with us, and we, we just talked talk to her to encourage her and, and uh, you know, just fellowship with her for about 10 minutes and then we prayed for her. didn't notice any difference but we just believed she was going she was the Lord had touched her and we said so and we turned to leave and the lady next to her spoke up in Spanish and said uh, would, in Spanish the interpreter told us she was saying would you pray for would you pray for me and we said well sure we pray for you. What's wrong with you? And she said, she put her hands out up from under the sheets, and she said, my hands are paralyzed. I can't move them. And they just hung lifelessly. And my feet are the same way. She said, I was here for surgery, and they accidentally cut a, a nerve in my back, something in her spinal cord, and, and left me paralyzed in my hands and feet and said, nothing we can do for you. This, you'll always be this way. 
And my first thought was, I don't do paralysis. <laughs> I do headaches. And, you know, I'll do tuberculosis because nobody really knows if you're healed. You just pray real quick and say, I believe the Lord touched you, and you leave, you know. I'll pray for your cold or your flu, but I don't do paralysis. But what are you going to do? The whole room is listening. So we said, well, of course. And the couple with us said, Dutch, pray for her. So we just laid hands on her and prayed for her and no change. So we started to walk away and I was really in a hurry to get out of there. And I thought, this is a little embarrassing. And we got about 10 feet away, headed to the door. And she started screaming. Milagro! The word for miracle. Milagro! Milagro! I knew the word for miracle. I knew what she was saying. I turned around and looked at her and she's going, Milagro! Milagro! And she's kicking her feet under the covers going, Milagro! Milagro! And I'm standing there going, Milagro! I mean, Milagro! Yeah, hallelujah! What do you expect? We prayed for you, Jesus' name. <laughs> Hallelujah. Glory to God. <laughs> oh, the whole room broke into, really, this is like the cruise ship, you know. It's like revival in the hospital ward. Every woman in the room was pleading, come pray for me, come pray for me. And we started going from bed to bed, leading ladies to the Lord praying for them. God was healing. The TB lady was sent home the next day healed. The lady there for exploratory surgery in her stomach was sent home healed. The paralysis thing was healed. I think three or four ladies were saved. And then somebody came in that was staff. And, and literally the room was in pandemonium. And this was freaking the staff out when they saw it. And they said, you have to leave. You have to leave. We don't know what you're doing. but you have. So they made us leave. The Lord met her. Our prayers created a connection, a meeting between God and a person. That's the, one of the very most basic meanings of the word paga. It means to create a meeting or to meet with. I've always, I've always thought how appropriate we call prayer meetings prayer meetings. Because that's literally what the word means. So anytime you are asking God to meet with someone, whatever it's for, healing, salvation, deliverance, encouragement, strength, that's paga. It's a connection. He wants to touch a situation through you. You're the conduit, you're the connector, he's the power source, but he's going to do it through you. What I felt this morning when I got up was, I'd never done this before, teach on this, and 
apply it to what he was saying last night. So all morning I've been praying for our president and our nation. I've been saying, Lord, I'm asking you to meet with Donald John Trump. I'm asking you to meet Paga with Congress. I'm asking for a visitation. When you ask for a visitation, you're asking for a meeting. I don't care if I ever meet the man. I don't need to meet Donald Trump to pray for Donald Trump. When I stood outside the White House and God said, there's bad counsel coming to the president, I want you to go shut the door to that, and I want you to open the door to my counsel, that was a meeting. I'm asked, I want you to go and pray so I can meet with the president. So whether you're praying for your kids, or whether you're praying for your husband, or whether you're praying for a cousin, or whether you're praying for your neighbor, you're asking God to paga meet with them. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm going to speed up. So I heard a man tell a story once. This is number two. He said he was in Canada ministering. And he never been to this church before. He was just asked to come because somebody knew he was going to be in the area. And so he went to <clears throat> this small congregation. He didn't know them. They didn't know him. He's up pray, uh, preaching, and he just starts his message, and he hears the Lord say, hears Holy Spirit say, stop your message and pray in the Spirit. Pray in tongues. Well, that's unusual when you're speaking. And so he said to the people, you'll have to excuse me, I just heard Holy Spirit say, stop preaching and start praying in tongues. And for whatever the reason, obviously, when you hear the rest of the story, you're going to know that he was right in doing it out loud. He did not just pray quietly under his breath. He was praying out loud. So he, to, when he told the story, he, he literally did what I'm doing now. He said he walked up on the platform, and he just started going, and he just prayed in tongues. And the people are doing exactly what you're doing. Now, he doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, he doesn't know why he's doing it. They don't know what he's doing. They weren't used to anything like this, although they were, it was a Pentecostal church, so they weren't freaked out about the tongues. It was just awkward because nobody knew what he was doing, what, why he was doing this, and he didn't know why he was doing it. And he said, for five minutes, I walked back and forth. And then he said, ten minutes. And the people are just kind of, what is this guy doing? Fifteen minutes. That would have seemed like two hours to me if I'm the guy on the stage walking back and forth praying. I'm th I would have probably been thinking, Lord, 
if you don't do something soon, I'm going to keep walking right out that door. <laughs> so he says, after 15 minutes, a lady in the back jumped up and began to scream and ran to the front. And he said, what's going on? She said, my daughter is a missionary in Africa. And she had just contracted a fatal disease that they uh, wired us and said she won't survive more than three days. There is no cure. There's nothing we can do. Nobody lives through this. We will try to send you her body if we can. The missions group she worked with. But the last time she was home, she taught me some of the dialect of the people she works with. And you just said after about 15 minutes of walking back and forth praying, I started hearing you say in the language of that people, you can rejoice, your daughter's healed. You can rejoice, your daughter is healed. Over and over, you can rejoice, your daughter's healed. And the daughter was healed. And of course, it was a great testimony. One of the words, one of the meanings of paga is to light or land upon by chance. It's used of Jacob when he was fleeing from Esau and he came to Bethel. And it says he came there not and, and stopped at a certain place. The King James says he lighted upon. Some translations say he chanced upon. And the implication is in this word, in this definition of Pagah is you come to a certain point or place or land on or light on or chance on because you didn't you're not there by design. You don't really know where you're going or what you're doing. It's just sort of happenstance. It is to you, but it's not to him. So when I'm praying in tongues, I don't really know what I'm doing. I'm not really sure where my prayers are going, often unless I'm specifically doing it for a certain person or place. I just know that Holy Spirit is taking my prayers, and he's causing them to light upon the right person, the right place, at the right time, in the right way, to do the right thing. One of the best pictures of this is a butterfly. A butterfly, you ever seen, you've always, we've all seen them fly from point A to point B, and it looks like they don't have the slightest idea where they're going. That's what it feels like when I'm praying in tongues. And I don't know what I'm doing, what I'm saying, but Holy Spirit is praying through me. And for me, it's like this. For him, it's like this. I was praying for a couple once. I was in a prayer meeting. We were sitting in a circle several uh, ministers, about 10 of us. And we were praying for a marriage that was struggling. And I, started, I was praying, Lord, you know, uh, 
what I said, heal this marriage, whatever. Then I just started praying in tongues. The person sitting next to me was from Nigeria. Nigeria, Kenya. He's from Kenya. And he starts laughing. Now, we're pouring our heart out. <laughs> and, <he's, laughs> and I'm thinking, he doesn't get it. English is his second language. He doesn't get it. I'm irritated. I'm not like Tom wanting to know all the facts. I'm just like Jane, like, would you please shut up? This is serious. We finish, and he says, did you hear me laughing? And we're just like, he said, you know what I was laughing about? When you stopped praying in English and you started praying in tongues, you were speaking perfect tree, the language of Ghana. That's where it comes. The language of Ghana. And I said, I was. Now, I didn't go into a trance. I wasn't sitting there going, you know. I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't feel any more spiritual. I wasn't in this deep place. I was just out of my spirit. So while somebody else started praying in English, I was just quietly, but Holy Spirit, I didn't know what I was doing. He said, you were, you were pleading and asking the Father in perfect tree to heal this marriage. So when you start praying for the nation, your governor, your mayor, Florida, America, the Supreme Court, Congress, and you feel so, I'm just a little nobody in Florida. Just have enough faith in Holy Spirit in you that as you begin to release your prayer language and you don't know where you're going, your mind might even wonder and you have to bring it back because you're praying in tongues and then you realize you were planning your grocery list. Or thinking about what you're going to do later, what time it is, while you pray in the Spirit, and you pull your mind back in, and you're just in your prayer time going, you need to have enough faith in Holy Spirit to know that you don't know what you're saying. He knows exactly where he's going. And you can light on the president every day. This is why I think Paul said, I pray in tongues more than all of you. He said, I thank my God, I pray in tongues more than you all. He wasn't trying to be spiritual. He knew the power of allowing Holy Spirit to pray through him. Because he knows, according to Romans 8, exactly what is needed. And he'll get the will of God for the saints. That's what the passage says. Pray in the Spirit more. Let Him light upon through you. I have to leave here at noon to go catch my flight. We have 20 minutes. I'm going to speed up. So here's a, here's a great number three. Here's a great definition of Pagal. This is so fascinating to me. In the book of Joshua, 
when he is, Joshua is dividing up the land of Israel for the tribes. You know, this tribe gets this, this tribe gets this. The, in the King James Bible, it says over and over again, each tribe, their boundary or their land reaches to here. Theirs reaches to here. This one reaches to here. Reaches to is pagal. Because the concept of the word for intercession has to do with setting boundaries. You don't have to be real prophetic to see how that applies to prayer. Intercession sets boundaries of protection and covering around people, places, situations. I heard a man tell a story once about his daughter who was, he had a dream that she died. She was young, just maybe 20s. But he had, in the dream, she had died, and so when he, when he had the dream repeating, repeatedly through the night, he'd wake up and he had it again over and over. And so he got up the next morning and said, Lord, what's this all about? And he, he didn't know any details. He just knew there was a plan to take her life. So he, he knew enough to say, I'm gonna, I need to become her intercessor for, in this situation. So every day he said, Numerous times a day, he would just decree the word, quote Psalm 91, pray over her and say, nothing is going to take my daughter's life. And he would say, Lord, I pray protection around her. What was he doing? He was building walls of protection, boundaries around her. You can't take my daughter's life. Circumstances, accidents, the enemy, demons, you can't take my daughter's life. He did that for a month. Didn't say a word to her. After about a month of this, she received a promotion at work, which the increase in pay uh, included a life insurance policy, which demanded a physical. And during the physical, at one point, after the blood work, the nurse looked at her and said, what are you doing? What have you been doing? You, we can't find any potassium in your body whatsoever. You should be dead. She was on a, one of these strange diets where you eat just one or two things. And her body had become depleted. And they said, we have to get you hooked. You're not leaving this hospital. We have to hook you up to IVs and get, get potassium in you now. You should not be alive. You know why she was alive, don't you? Because somebody set boundaries of protection around her and said, you can't take my daughter's life. You can pray boundaries of protection around the president. You can do it for your family, but you can do it for your congressman or woman. You can, you, can, you can become the shield God uses to keep demons 
from interfering with them and leading them down a path that would be the opposite of what God wants to do in this nation. Because you prayed prayers that sealed them, Pagah, and the enemy could not come into that territory. Because you created, you, you, you released Psalm 91 over when angels encamp about those who know, you can be the person that releases the prayer that creates the encampment. Number four. This is a fascinating one. They're all fascinating to me. I love this stuff. There's a verse in Job talking about God. It says, he fills his hands with lightning and commands it to strike the mark, a lightning strike. Strike the mark is the word for intercession, pagal. Because when we pray, it releases the glory, the light, the power of God to strike. Did you know a lightning bolt can be hotter than the surface of the sun? I used to walk through the woods, uh, uh, still do, in Colorado and pray. Uh, the pine trees, you see one struck by lightning. The, the, the lightning is so powerful, so hot, that it literally changed the, changes the molecular structure of the tree. And it twists the trunk like this. It looks like a candy cane. You ever walking through the woods and see a tree that just looks like somebody twisted it like this? That's a lightning strike. God compares that, your prayers, to that. He says, you release my power in my hand when you pray. John Kilpatrick talks about a miracle he saw in the Brownsville Revival. <coughs> Excuse me. Did you ever, at the end, after the salvation message, people, <coughs> excuse me, come up and get saved. Then, then they just pray for anybody and everybody that wanted prayer in general. So they'd be up front, crowded, and then they'd be back the aisles. And he, was, he, he would often not pray. He'd sometimes just stand, watch, and oversee. He would say, I was watching one night, just observing what God was doing. And all of a sudden, next to me, I saw, he didn't see the angel or the Holy, or Holy Spirit. He just saw a light beam, like a laser. And it shot from the platform halfway back through the building and went and hit a lady right in the chest and knocked her several feet back onto the floor and she laid there she got up later came told him her, the story they were missionaries she said my back had become so, has become so bad that my, I told my husband I want God to heal me or take me to heaven I cannot live this way anymore 
He said, well, let's go to Brownsville. See, maybe the Lord will touch you. And, of course, you probably already assume she was completely healed. Doctors couldn't do anything but the lightning of God. See, we don't see it, so we don't consciously realize it's happening. But you have to, you have to, you're supposed to believe, know, understand that when you pray, God is releasing something from heaven. And sometimes you have to pray for a while. Days, 30 days before the miracle came with, with the man's daughter. You should be praying over our president, over our nation, over our leaders every day. Lord, release your glory, your light, your power right into that White House, right into that Congress. Because demons flee from the light of God. We're like the magnifying glass. You ever hold a magnifying glass up to the sun and with the, just get it just right and the light comes through there and starts burning? I was on the playground once when I was a kid. I called one of my buddies over and I said, I found the coolest thing. I want to show you something. Hold your hand out. <laughs> You've done that? Yeah, I'm sure you have, Malone. That's probably why we get along, because we both have <laughs> warped person, said personality at times. We're not the light, but he does want to shine through us, through our prayers, and strike the mark. And you've been praying for somebody. I don't care if you've been praying for them for 10 years for their salvation. You keep praying, and you call the light of God to come to them. And drive out every demon, every deception, the work of darkness until they are free and the light of the gospel comes through. Because that is the very definition of intercession. Strike the market. It's actually, I was teaching this once in front of uh, a class at Christ for the Nations and a student there from Israel whose first language was Hebrew. He raised his hand when I said this, and he said, still today, the word for bullseye, when our military, when we have target practice, bullseye is paga. Strike the mark. The very definition of the word implies success. You're going to hit the... You just keep praying. You don't have to pray perfectly. Pray in the Spirit. Speak the Word. Ask God to do it. He's, you're just, you just get yourself positioned. He's going to shine through there. Oh, one more. This is fascinating. When 
Isaiah said, our sins and weaknesses were laid upon him, Christ. Laid upon is paga. It's identificational intercession. It's carrying someone else's burden. It's allowing Holy Spirit to touch us with the feeling of their infirmity so we can carry it away from them. It's a fascinating subject. I have a whole chapter in that book, Intercessory Prayer, on this. Sometimes, many intercessors have experienced this. It's very strange when it happens. But you'd be praying for someone and a true just sort of burden comes on you. and You begin to almost, and then sometimes you just literally, you feel their pain. You feel their grief. You feel what they feel. And it's, it's spiritual. It's not that something occultish or, wicked or evil or strange in the sense of new age thing is happening. It, it's, you don't really have that condition, but he allows you in the spirit to feel it. And when you feel it here, you can sometimes you, you actually feel it. You can feel it in your body, even though you don't really have the sickness. But you feel it. One, I heard a guy that used to travel with Kenneth Hagin, who's one of the leaders of the faith movement years ago. He's in heaven now. Most of you probably know who Kenneth Hagin is. And he was an intercessor. He was very sensitive in his prayer life. He was praying in a prayer meeting once, and a man that was there told the story. Brother Hagin didn't tell it. The man who watched it happen told the story. Hagen was preaching revival in this church, but earlier in the day, he and some of the intercept people in the church were praying for the meeting that night, and Hagen began to groan. And then he went into what he called travail, was just weeping. And they were all just kind of, it was kind of a little awkward. They were just kind of praying, and there's a guy over here, and he's just, oh, God, and he's just crying. And finally said, we heard him, he began to say, cry out, I'm lost, I'm lost, he's just weeping, I'm lost, and he told him later, this lifted, he was interceding for a man that he saw come into the service that was un unsaved, he said, I saw what he was head on, I saw where he sat, and my heart began to break because the man didn't know the Lord. And then I began to feel his agony and his despair and his shame and his. And, and that's what he, when he began to cry out, I'm lost. Hagen wasn't lost. But the Lord was allowing what that man was feeling to be laid on him spiritually so he could feel it and intercede that night. That man wearing those clothes, set in that seat, never been there before, 
and gave his heart to Jesus at the end of this service. That's Paga. I heard one other story about it. I don't tell this much because some people, if they don't understand spiritual dynamics, they can, you, can take, you can take just about anything and get weird with it. But I heard another guy tell a story. He used to work with Dr. Hagen, and he was one of he would be an usher, stand behind people, kind of you know, catch them if they fell down, whatever. So Hagen was praying for, uh, going down a prayer line, praying for people, and the people. I don't know why they did it this way, but the people were facing that way. So Hagen was on that side, facing this way. And people were just sitting out there praying, you know, kind of how the at the end of a service, things people are just kind of doing their thing. And, but there's a prayer line up here. And he's just going down this line praying for people. And then he stopped at one. And there was a man there with, I don't know if, he, they called it palsy. That Maybe it was Parkinson's. I don't know if that's the same thing or not. But he's standing there, you know, and his hands are shaking. And Dr. Hagen stopped <clears throat> and starts praying for this guy. And then he began to weep. And then he put his arms around him and held him while he prayed. And this guy said, nobody saw this but me because I was behind the guy. And after about 10 minutes of just holding this man praying, Dr. Hagen's hand started to weep. And he asked him, he said, what was that? He said, could feel his pain and suddenly it was like it was mine and I was groaning in intercession for the man and then he said suddenly Dr. Hagen's hand stopped and the man's hand stopped and he was healed of this condition you can't really explain that other than the fact that God allowed this man to so identify with this other individuals pain and condition to where he literally took his burden and he carried it away from him in the same way that Jesus took our sins and carried them away and when you <clears throat> when you pray you don't always have to you don't always have to get into that deep a level of intercession but there are times when you will. I heard Ken, I think, I believe, I heard you talk about, I don't know if it was in the service or privately, this travail that came on you a few days ago. And you, and you just felt like you were birthing things for Florida. Well, you can do that with just, you can do that without the strength of intercession that becomes travail, but sometimes God allows it to be stronger so you can really begin to feel what he feels. Or you can, ha you can have that so put on you that you identify with what he's feeling or what someone else is feeling because it's laid upon you. I wouldn't be surprised after hearing this if some of you don't find yourself in intercession in the next short season for a, a, 
person, maybe. The, the president is really big on my heart right now. I'm, trying not trying, I'm not trying to put my burden on you. But I've been feeling ever since I've been here, this is a very strategic time where God's trying to do some things with our president. It wouldn't surprise me if someone here over the next few days did not go into an incredibly strong season of intercession where you literally are used to birth a visitation to heaven. Because if you find yourself weeping, if you find yourself feeling his condition or his need, I don't know if the man's born again yet, but I'm thoroughly convinced he will be. Maybe God's about to use some of us to birth that. Feel his loss. I think, <clears throat> I think sometimes the man is overwhelmed, but his personality won't allow it to show because he's just a fighter. But I think sometimes he, he, he's overwhelmed with the incredible size of the task that he faces. But whether it's the president or your fam, a family member or your next door neighbor, allow the Lord to use you to be the intercessor that carries something and gets it off of another person.